0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Abnormal Psychologist podcast, hosted by Dr. Colby Taylor, who is a psychologist. And now we sort of know what that term confusingly means after the last episode. And, you know, after the last episode, I thought about how I really haven't talked about the big elephant in the room. You know, the COVID-19 pandemic hasn't really been a focus of any of my podcasts. So, I thought today we'd talk a little bit about the tremendous impact the pandemic has had and is having on our mental health. Uh, I was also inspired by this episode by some research studies that have come out in the recent months. Uh, The COVID 19 pandemic has had a huge effect on mental health, on mental health throughout the lifespan. Young children are being affected, adolescents are being affected, uh, their parents and teachers are being affected. Uh, And older adults, um, especially adults in congregate or assisted living or nursing homes, are being affected. And with this huge impact, it's going to take years and possibly even decades to tease apart exactly how this pandemic has affected our psychology. So this is going to be a wide-ranging episode. I thought we'd sort of start at the beginning of the lifespan and talk about some of the mental health impacts the pandemic has had on children. All right. It's no surprise that the pandemic is adversely affecting the mental health of children across the world. We're seeing increases in mental health difficulties in China, in Italy, in Spain, and across the United States. Most studies are showing anywhere between a 25% to 75% increase in mental health related concerns among school-aged children. There are increased feelings of isolation, increased feelings of loneliness, and these are sadly leading more youths to engage in suicidal behaviors. So back in November of 2020, Lieb and colleagues published a study on mental health-related emergency room visits in kids, in children under the age of 18. The study compared emergency department visits from April 2020 to October 2020 against visits from the same time frame in 2019 when the pandemic wasn't occurring. And actually, they were comparing the proportion of ED visits. And I hate that acronym ED for emergency department because of the initialism's other usage, right? Um, So they weren't looking at raw numbers of ED visits. Because thankfully, raw numbers of ED visits were down during the beginning of 2020 due to shelter-in-place orders. Anyways, of the ED visits that did occur, there was a pretty big increase in the proportion of those visits that were related to mental health concerns. And this proportional increase started in March 2020 and actually in mid-March 2020, when the pandemic began. uh, Among kids five to 11, there was a 24% increase in the proportion of mental health emergencies. And among kids 12 to 17 years old, there was a 31% increase in the proportion of mental health emergencies. And this just used CDC data, um, Centers for Disease Control data from emergency departments. It used surveillance program data. Um, So it actually had a pretty large scale sample. Um, NPR had a story a few weeks ago talking about increased suicidal behaviors in youth uh, during the pandemic. And I'll do a separate episode on suicide later this season. But some of the info shared in this NPR study was really troubling. Uh, Riley Hospital for Children in Indianapolis has seen a 250% increase, 250% increase in suicide attempts during the um, pandemic. Uh, we've seen about a 200% increase Uh, at Benioff Children's Hospital in Oakland, California. So anywhere from 200 to 250% increases um, is what I've read about in uh, emergency room visits due to suicide attempts. Uh, In adults also using CDC data, rates of anxiety and depression among adults have more than tripled since the pandemic began. Uh, And I'm going to separate depression and anxiety here. Uh, We'll start with depression. So before the pandemic, about 6.6% of adults Uh, reported significant symptoms of depression. In August of 2020, 24.5% of adults reported significant symptoms of depression. And no other state reported higher rates of depression than my home state of Tennessee. 28.3% of adults, almost one third of Tennesseans, uh, in August of 2020, reported significant symptoms of depression. And that was through most of 2020, uh, a study by Retail Me Not recently, uh, within the last two weeks, indicated that Memphis, uh, also where I live, is the city with the poorest mental health in the United States. So I live in the most stressed out city in the most stressed out state. All right, all right. Back to that uh, CDC COVID nineteen. Uh, this was the Household Pulse Mental Health Survey. Uh, I mentioned that in the fall of 2020, Tennessee had the highest rates of depression. Since then, Oklahoma, Washington, Texas, and West Virginia have caught up with Tennessee in terms of depression, and we're all kind of neck and neck for the first few weeks of 2021. Uh, Rates of depression are highest in young adults aged 18 to 29, with over 40% reporting symptoms of depression, as opposed to the lowest age group, which is the 80 years plus age group, with 18.6% reporting symptoms of depression, so less than half of that of the 18 to 29 uh, age group. Uh, yet that 80 plus uh, age group is impacted medically by the pandemic more than any other age group. Anyways, rates of anxiety are also sky high. We are just talking about depression there. Washington, Louisiana, North Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and California are some of the most anxious states in the surveillance data. Again, rates of anxiety are highest in young adults age 18 to 29, 48.9%. So pretty much half of young adults are reporting significant symptoms of anxiety. And this is in contrast to only 20.5% of the adult age 80 plus uh, age group um, that's reporting anxious symptoms. And I think the mental health of older adults is still worth talking about as they account for over 80% of deaths due to COVID-19. And one in four or one in five older adults experiencing anxiety and depression is still really significant. I also think the isolation that these older adults are experiencing, especially in those assisted living homes and nursing homes, uh, isn't being adequately studied. I think that this age group is probably being underreported. It's more difficult to gain access to these individuals during the pandemic due to isolation and due to lockdown and also due to technological barriers. So my gut feeling is that a lot of mental health concerns are slipping through the cracks and are underreported or unreported. Anyways, going back to states and pandemic-related mental health, uh, for those that are curious, the Dakotas, uh, North and South Dakota, have the lowest rates of anxiety and depression during the pandemic. Anyways, given the rates I just talked about in young adults, it's not surprising that college students are struggling with their mental health but I am still shocked by these numbers. Three out of four Americans between the ages of 18 and 24 are reporting poor mental health. So 75%, 75% of college students are reporting mental health difficulties. Those are super high numbers. And since many colleges and universities are operating remotely, these students don't have access to the university counseling centers. Uh, Rates of anxiety and depression are also disproportionately affecting mothers. Uh, there's lots of preliminary research that suggests mothers are bearing much of the childcare burden dur- uh, during the pandemic, and they have higher rates of anxiety and depression. Davenport and colleagues published a study in June of last year titled, Moms Are Not Okay, COVID-19 and Maternal Mental Health. And that study found over a 40% increase in anxiety and depression symptoms among expectant and postpartum mothers. Um, We're also seeing an increased risk in overdose-related deaths during the pandemic. Using CDC numbers again, rates of opioid overdose deaths increased 38.4% from 2019 to 2020. And we've seen an even bigger rise in the number of non-fatal opioid uh, overdoses. And sadly, we had 81,000 deaths due to opioid-related overdoses last year. That's about one-fifth of the number of deaths we've had in the United States due to COVID. Yet it's not nearly receiving one-fifth of the media attention that COVID has. Another mental health-related issue that isn't receiving appropriate media attention, in my opinion, is the increase in disordered eating behaviors due to the pandemic. The National Eating Disorders Hotline has received a 78% increase in calls since March 2020. We're also seeing an increase in sleep problems, in insomnia, Someone coined the term Corona-somnia to describe the 24% spike in insomnia since the pandemic began. colleagues and some of my students are also reporting experiencing weird, vivid dreams since the pandemic began. I haven't experienced these weird, vivid dreams myself, uh, but I'm interested in whether some of you have. And we've just been talking about how COVID is affecting mental health peripherally. Right? Everything we've talked about so far is how our response to COVID is affecting mental health, not how the virus itself might be affecting mental health. And there is preliminary research that COVID infection might have long-lasting neurological effects. The virus attacks the nervous system. It might cause inflammation in the brain. It might deplete myelin. Myelin is this sort of fatty insulator that's important to the function of neurons. I've read reports that some young adults are presenting to emergency departments with symptoms of delirium. Remember, we talked about delirium with substance use disorders last season, and they're later testing positive with COVID. Misc or MIS-C, has been in the news a lot in the last couple of weeks. So MIS-C stands for Multisystem Inflammatory Syndrome in Children. And most people with MIS-C that contract it, uh, contract it weeks or months after a COVID infection. Uh, it appears to be essentially an autoimmune response where the body attacks important organ systems including the nervous system in the brain. Some people with MIS-C and people without MIS-C too are reporting chronic fatigue symptoms months after a COVID infection. Uh, We've also had reports of MIS-C in uh, in adults, um, just a limited number of cases at this point, but enough that they've created a new acronym of MIS-A. And sadly, in Memphis, we had a physician that passed away um, from MIS-C at age 37 last week, and he never knew he had been infected with covid Uh, And he didn't have an active COVID infection when he died, but after his death, COVID antibodies were found in his blood. So it's believed that multi-system inflammatory response after the infection is what led to his death. So super, super sad. Anyways, so the mental health landscape right now is not good. Suicide, overdoses, anxiety, depression, sleep difficulties. Uh, It's no wonder that mental health professionals are swamped or backlogged. Waiting lists are months long. The New York Times had an article yesterday with the headline, Nobody Has Openings. I'm a member of a few local therapist groups on Facebook, and there's such a huge demand for mental health practitioners. And we're getting burned out too. There are lots of first responders and mental health care practitioners who are struggling, who need care. Uh, We call this caring for the caretaker. And I'm actually attending a continuing ed session on this topic later today. Um... And as much as what we've discussed today worries me, because it worries me a lot, what worries me even more is what we might be missing. Again, my gut is that a lot of folks are isolated and experiencing mild or moderate mental health symptoms, and they're slipping through the cracks. Folks enter our radar when they overdose or when they commit suicide. We don't really have good data on the people who might be suffering silently at home. These people, and I think there's a lot of them, are who worry me Uh, I guess we can end this podcast uh, putting a positive spin on things. Uh, Maybe this pandemic will create a further emphasis on mental health and well-being. Already, some states are talking about increasing their resources towards socio-emotional learning in the school system. Uh, At the federal level, there's talk of more school psychologists and more counselors. So maybe there is some positive that can come from all of this. Anyways, that's it for this episode. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say or what you think about COVID-19 and mental health. Um, our mailbag's is empty today, so you can send me those thoughts or episode requests or comments or any questions you might have to c t a y l o 41 at cbu.edu with the subject line mailbag. And I promise I'll address them and I'll email you back. Anyways, until the next episode, take care and stay well.